Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Think Education podcast. Uh, Judith and myself today, uh, joined by a colleague, uh, Lena Shi, who Judith, as always, will introduce more formally, more polished uh, Lee. <laughs> well, professionally, certainly. Um, um, and today we're, we're going to have a conversation with um, uh, Lena Shi about uh, several interesting issues within higher education, uh, not least of all next stages, priorities, um, identity, and then anything else that sort of pops up uh, along the way. So, Judith, over to you for uh, the which is a while since uh, since you got to do one of these. So, um, back in back in the in the driving seat, uh, Judith, with the formal introduction, please. Thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Chris. Yes, I feel I've had the build up now, so I better get this better get this right. Lena, we're so delighted that you're joining us um, joining us today. Uh, I'm just going to give a, a short introduction to to Lena. I could spend quite a long time talking about Lena, but I won't because we'd rather hear from her herself. But Lorena is the director of education at, at the British Council in China, and before taking up this role in 2021. So we look forward to hearing about uh, mm. how, how that's gone. Um, Lena's worked in UK higher education for the last 20 years. So lots we could ask you about how that went, obviously, uh, Lena. Lena leads the development and implementation of the British Council's education strategy uh, across complex uh, partnerships. I'm sure many of us will know um, about these and programmes and contracts across um, mixed funding streams and business models across China and more broadly across East Asia. So not not a small job then, <laughs> Lena, really. You know, not not something that you could you could do in ten minutes on a you know Tuesday morning and then move on. Um, as I mentioned, Lena's got extensive experience in international higher education strategy that development and in particular in transnational education. Um, she's an experienced leader in UK uh, higher education and has held a number of senior roles, uh, developing, communicating and implementing uh, universities' international strategies. Finally, uh, Lena herself is really passionate about cultivating talent and, and developing people and is a qualified executive coach from the Henley uh, Business School, clearly something that she does in her spare time, yeah. of which she must have ample, given the small role, obviously, you've got in the British Council in China. She's got an MBA in higher education also from UCL Institute of Education. Lena, as I say, we are so delighted that you can join us uh, You can join us today. I've had the pleasure over many years now of working with um, the British Council. Uh, I'm on the, the British Council's advisory board, as you know, the HE Sector Advisory Board at present, but have been delighted to work with colleagues across the Council for many, many years. And I'm just really interested to, as to get the ball rolling as to what attracted you to the position of Director of Education in in China, the British Council. Well, first of all, uh, Judith and Chris, and thank you for that generous uh, introduction. And um, uh, jump directly into the, the question then. I'll probably look at that from two angles. Uh, one is that working in international higher education for the last two decades, uh, British Council is a very familiar name. So to me, it's a fascinating organization and you know, I feel thrilled to, to be part of it. Two years in the role now, I'm still learning and uh, trying to navigate my way through it. And, um, and I also 
I am very grateful for many, many of those excellent colleagues across the globe that I got to, to work with. On the personal angle, though, I'd, I'd probably touch on a little bit more. Um, so <clears throat> you mentioned in my bio that I've, um, I've worked in uh, the UK in higher education for 20 years. And um, it is an area of work I really enjoy and I feel privileged to be part of it and I really believe into it. And I think I probably have always had the thought of how would I feel differently if I'm doing international education that's not based just in one country. So I suppose I was also looking for a platform and also from another perspective to look at the piece of work in itself as well. So I suppose it's both um, the organisation, but also part of where I am, the season of my life as well. That's excellent, Nina. I mean, what, what was it like starting a new role in the way in which you've started it now, a big role like you have, in 2021, given, you know, the not small challenge that we were all dealing with with regard to COVID? What was that like? Yeah, I, in a way, I kind of felt it was a double dosage of COVID I had to deal with. So I went through um, the, the lockdowns in the UK and well, actually, you know, looking at China seems, uh, well, apart from you couldn't quite get through the border, but, you know, everything else seems to be in order in 2020 uh, within China. But then I guess I arrived in September 2021 after about a month of various of quarantines in different cities and plus some self-quarantine, numerous number of tests and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, as many of uh, you and your audience would know, it was, um, you know, the, the border remained open until, I guess, earlier this year, about February 2023. So, um, yeah, I could not have anticipated that. And I suppose as uh, we do many things and you kind of evolve as it moves along as well. So although I've been in the role for a couple of years, I suppose the first 18 months is very different from the last six months. And I'm still learning and feeling pretty new here. I suppose one of the advantages to, to this, and I'll, I'll pass over to Chris in a, a second, so I don't hog you entirely to me. To myself, but I suppose one of the great advantages has been the ability to, to use online communication, hasn't it? You know, I mean, be it, as you were saying earlier on, it, new platforms like this with, with, with Collaborate, but there are lots of different ones, aren't there, from Tencent to Zoom to Teams to all of these. And, and so I suppose that helped to a certain extent, did it, that you were at least able to communicate with colleagues well, on your own doorstep, actually, and across China, but of course, you know, across the region and across the globe. Yeah, absolutely. I'm continuously fascinated by how technology would have enabled, uh, well, communications and cross-border and also, yeah, as you mentioned, sometimes within the borders um, uh, as well. So, yeah, I mean, the distance has become smaller um, because of that. And... Well, I'll probably also just add 
<clears throat> something to this. Uh, over the last six months, um, one curious question, well, it's probably due to my own curiosity. One question I ask my UK visitors when they come back in quite often, haven't visited China for, for at least four or five years. And um, I ask them about what they've changed their mind on. And um, so uh, I would probably say digital innovations and, you know, the, the number of electronic cars on the street where majority of cities in China has gone largely cashless and, you know, how people feel amazed about the digital payment and the digitalization. So I suppose... Um, you know, sometimes these things you're only able to experience to see how local innovations through digital um, were happening. That's, um, I mean, I, I feel probably Chris is better place to, to ask you a few more follow-ups on uh, digital innovation, but I don't know what your thoughts are there on on that, Chris, in China. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, I mean, we, we've spoken to many people who, not just started new jobs during, in some cases, the height of COVID, but but actually new jobs in new countries or continents during the, which, I mean, a move of that nature, absent COVID, is challenging. Um, and I think it's it's really interesting. I think it's probably, we, we've maybe not got to the full extent of our reflection on this, as in we as, we as a community, but <clears throat> you moving into that job under COVID conditions, how you had to just operate on a day-to-day -day basis, how you had to use technology, how you were isolated from the people, how you were experiencing internationalization in a very digital way, as opposed to if you'd moved there with no COVID and you'd have been on the road and you'd have been in fairs and traveling and doing all these types of things. And, you know, I think it's it was a, a really interesting way of, of us having to rethink our, our view of international education, like the way we connect with people. And, and I mean, I think it's been... You know, something some of us obviously had to, to do, we just switched our jobs from one thing to another and then we've sort of gone back again. But I, I wonder if, you know, you're able to reflect, I mean, probably not, I guess, because it's still it's still relatively fresh. But, you know, you you were saying about you ask visitors to China what, what they've changed their mind about or what does your view from your, you know, your two decades of experience in, in international HE, has it changed now based on? Um, that experience of you, you know, you've learned things that you didn't, not that you just didn't know that we didn't even know about, right? I mean, it's, what's, what are your, I'm really interested in what your reflections are on, you know, that, that journey. <clears throat> yeah, I've got to think about that question. That's a big one. Um, and I suppose the truth is I feel I'm still making sense of it. Sure. Um, and I also believe that the truth will, well, my version of truth will kind of open as as I move along as well. But I'll probably say some things. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I kind of do feel when I sit in the UK um, in, and I was looking at, you know, what's happening in China and even looking at the role, even looking at partnerships. But if if I get feed by a certain type of press and media and and China feels very far away. Mm. Um, and now I'm sitting in China, 
I'd also feel that distance of the West, but because of let's say the Great Firewall that's been put up and and for the various reasons, um, I, I won't go into here. Um, but I suppose what it really makes me to to ponder on is how different perspective evolves as we change places, talk to different people, and observe. And just al allow these tie these these thinking to percolate, and you know I I couldn't quite remember the philosopher's name, but I think there was something about you know one can't create knowledge on its own, so you kind of really learn and create knowledge through. Other. So so it is about you know through seeing things in different perspectives, and learning and looking at. You know that long history and the culture and its people, and through that, in understanding why, you know, people, the government, the country, businesses take the decisions as they are, and these, I wouldn't have those insights or experience if I haven't moved here physically and to immerse myself in it. But these are the experiences, you know, I wouldn't know. Mm. So I don't know what I don't know. So I'm kind of enjoying that unpacking, and obviously it comes with its challenges. And, and but I suppose it's through those uh, reflections and those percolations of thoughts and and we sort of learn. Yeah, ask me again in a couple of years. I might have new yeah, reflections. No, I mean <clears throat> not just that. We'll probably ask you to write a chapter in a book in a, in a year or two. Because um, I mean, it's, it's something that Judith and I have spoken together about, and obviously with other people that. Um, and it sort of goes back to your digital innovation point that, you know, during COVID, we had a lot more access. You know, we, we attended many more things. You know, we were at more and more conferences or seminars or panels. And, and yeah, sometimes they were, they were more transactional. You know, you just sort of log on just for your 10-minute your session or your hour session. And then, you, you know, so it's not the same value as the conference. But, but the, the connection was much greater. But, I mean, you know, reflecting what you said, but it's absent it's absent context, right? So it's like, oh yeah, I was able to attend an online conference in Thailand, but I'm in my living room, right? So it, it's not, you know, um, it's not that I went there and I got to feel the, the, the temperature and, and smell the food and et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so we, we had greater access, but maybe less connection if, or greater connection, but less access, whichever way around that the makes sense. Um, and I was, I was really interested when you said about you know, China being very far away from when you're in the UK, which, which, I mean, it is in, in, in many terms. Um, but during those first sort of 12 or 18 months that you had when you were, a lot of it was digital, were you, what sense did you have there of, of the links back to other countries? I mean, was it just frequency or, or how did that, how did that manifest? Well, I suppose um, going back to that digital conversation, I am grateful for those online tools that enabled some of those conversations to take place and to happen. And I suppose going back to, you know, how we could utilize these tools a bit more, um, I think it will go, I'll go back into the intention. So I quite often, you know, 
to stakeholders that's based in the UK because they haven't been able to visit and then they really feel they have inadequate knowledge of making certain decisions uh, about certain business, um, I guess, considerations. So suppose to my end, I give it a lot of thoughts on how could British Council China on the ground to add this value. But I suppose, you know, it pushes us to think more about it. So as you said earlier, um, and I look forward to see more innovations and or more hybrid innovations that would come up in the future in the space of education and higher education. And, And I think it will push us to create and to be more thoughtful in how do we create that experience. I mean, I think that's right. On that note, um, Lena, do you you see that as as one of the key priorities now of the British Council to be doing that, to be, you know, developing and encouraging those, that level of innovation? I mean, would would that be one of your priorities? Well, digital clearly is uh, one of British Council's uh, current priorities. And I suppose I would also boil it down to the value add to the stakeholders. So moving forward, I mean, one thing really, um, <laughs> I'm quite quirky in that, in that sense, of like I read the British Council values, you know, what really draws me to it is the, the bold and optimistic. And I, I think I quite often think about it, you know, as, as sort of a leader for the team, especially through quite difficult times um, during COVID in China, because there were sometimes, perhaps I will say, uh, well, November, December 22, I think it was quite difficult that we can't quite see an end to the current lockdowns and situations. You know, I was <laughs> I, I was married to have pop-ups and having to do COVID tests um, on a daily basis. And I kind of feel like oh, when this is going to end, it almost felt like the Groundhog Day uh, over and over. So... I suppose I then go back to that bold and optimistic that continue to believe that will make a difference. Yes, we have to think harder to create, to build on what we have and, you know, to to, to not only build our resilience, but think about how we can then still support the people who needed us and, and through what ways. And yeah, so it also helps me to believe that, you know, on the ground, we have agency and it could make a difference, whichever barrier that would face. And I think that's that's really important. And as you say, though, um, you know, in, in, in one, ways, one way, it's celebrating what has always existed within the British Council, you know, but also it's about reinventing and redefining what you need to do in a in a different age, isn't it? You know, a different age of technology, but also an age when, you know, we are looking to develop some of the same things that we've always looked to develop in terms of partnerships and relationships as well. It's just doing it in a slightly different way, isn't it? Going back to your, your previous answer, um, and one thing that I thought was really interesting, and we've talked about, Chris and I talked about this a, a few times before, when you, you talked really about looking at, things through different sort of lenses, you know, different perspectives. And often if you you find yourself placed in a different perspective, you, you naturally, you look at yourself differently, don't you, as well as looking at the situation in in which you're in. And as you know, our, our latest book really centres on the whole notion of, um, of identity. 
uh, something that certainly Chris and I have been fascinated in for quite some time. And in particular, we, we obviously looked down at, at identity in international higher education. And I was just wondering more broadly, you know, what, what does identity mean to you? You know, if you, if you had to just say in a few sentences what it means to you, what would, what would identity mean to you? That's a very big question, and I'd really love to to unpack this. Oh, perhaps we'll pick it up in a couple of weeks' time, Judith, when you yes, when you're, you're in China. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think identity. Um, it's it almost like have um, have many faces, and also I, I see this as in being able to hold different versions of truth. So, so for me, I am a mother, you know, I have uh, two teenagers and uh, a partner, a friend, an educator. I, I take pride in helping people to become a better version of themselves and also create opportunities to really generate impact. So I think that my identity is about bringing all of those together. But I also want to link back to the area of work that we all love, international education, and I think is also about bringing diversity. And it's not even about, let's find mutual interest and identifying what we've got in common. Actually, it's about being able to accept we can agree to disagree. We hold different values, but yet we are still able to coexist and we are still able to collaborate and respect and be empathetic with where each other's practices are and how they make decisions um, that would suit them for that stage and season in their, I don't know, career life and, and, and whatever. So, so moving forward, I think about international education, I think about the current debate uh, the UK has uh, about international students and, you know, the recent FT article on, you know, whether international students are taking the precious home student space and et cetera, et cetera. When I see arguments um, from this angle, I'm kind of trying to put myself in in, the, in, in their shoes on, on why they see what they see and and how do we then pursue through what value international students really bring to the home students' perspective so that you know, their viewpoint about education is not homogeneous and they are able to coexist with someone who are completely different from them. Because otherwise we just risk about raising our young population and generation in echo chambers. So I think there are a lot more for us to continue doing to really raise the voice of actually the identity of international education is bringing those different perspectives and allow young people to be able to hold different versions of truth. Yeah, and it's about, as you say, celebrating that difference as well, isn't it? And learning from it in what is a, a, a safe and supportive environment as well, that is a college or a university or a school where you've got a mixture of different races and cultures, all, all working together, all learning from each other, as you say, Lena, haven't you? And that can be something that 
you know, is is about celebrating that difference rather than seeing it as something that that in in some way jars just because it's something that's different. Somebody holds a different view to to the views that that we hold. Um, something something that your word that you've 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 used a number of times now um, is is sort of ambition and an opportunity, you know, and that, that forward. I think it's probably just you and the nature of the, <laughs> the person you are, leader in many ways. Um, and and it's probably quite easy for us to talk about the challenges that we've had through COVID, through if you're in the UK, through Brexit, that getting started, and through lots of, 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 of challenges that everybody's had over the last couple of years. But, you know, it, it seems to be now that we're talking more as well about opportunities that, that can come up as, as well. You know, what, what excites you most about some of the changes that are ahead and some of the opportunities that you can see ahead? Well, coming back to um, the role, and as I mentioned, the last six months have really felt like a new job. But I, I suppose I probably have never had this China job for long. So this is probably what business as usual is like. Um, so, but for the last six months, um, we've seen now closely cl close to about 60 UK university senior leaders visiting us in, um, in you know, sort of, but they all have their own uh, reasons, um, strategy about engagement with China. But talking to them, I really see and I feel encouraged by that willingness to stick with their partners, to look for opportunities and for believing in you know, seeking those opportunities and through that. So I feel hugely hopeful on what we are able to continue to create um, in this space. For another angle of that, and <clears throat> obviously the, the first six months, I would imagine my hypothesis is um, these are the people who are already bought in to engage with China and, you know, they, they, they invested already. But how about the ones that are still making up their minds or the ones thinking, well, at the moment, we, we're not sure whether China is the idea when we have finite resources, we, we're not sure whether we should be investing in the place. So I also equally through my conferences and chats in the UK, um, I see that great need of building up the understanding and capability of navigating the China market. So I do see that learning needs and gap, not only for individuals, but also, you know, we've all worked in, in university administration and management. We understand how governance um, structure really helps in making sure that risks are correctly mitigated, but without that safe place or structure. And, you know, at times it is perhaps not possible for, for engagement to happen for smaller institutions. So I suppose it's also that readiness we could help our UK universities to build. So I see, I see the gap, and I do see that there's immense opportunity to really help translate into something that our UK stakeholders are able to navigate and take advantage of. So in a way, then as well, some of the challenges we've had through through COVID, and maybe some of the reflections that it's given us on climate change, 
sustainability, you know, protecting our planet. Maybe that gives us an opportunity to ensure that we're focusing on what we really need to do, that we're expanding our energies in, in the right places and that where we we do want to, to visit somewhere face to face and we do that we're making the most of that, I suppose. And and because there's aspects of that that are so important, aren't there? But of course there are other things that we can do now through technology that we might previously uh, not have done that. You know, we might have, have felt that there was a need to to do something always face to face. But we haven't always had that, have we? That's true. Um, I know that you've got, uh, because I'm going to be part of it, um, Lena, but a, 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 a large delegation that you're, you're planning, or la well, a large and important delegation, let's say, uh, particularly you're running it yourselves with Universities UK and with the uh, UK R&I. Um, what are your, what, what's, what's involved in that, in that delegation and what are some of the things that are exciting you about that coming up? Because it's in the next couple of weeks isn't it <laughs> absolutely well my my current motto is just get through it lena and so i haven't quite think beyond but what really excites me is um is that this is <clears throat> we've um um We've been hugely supported by the Chinese Ministry of Education and um, uh, in they are bringing a large number of Chinese universities to come attend uh, the roundtables and engagement with our delegation. Um, I also think I wanted to just put people into one place and let the Chinese university leaders and our leaders to explore and what might come out of the their discussion so rather than me preempting on what we think is right as a platform for them to engage i also see this as a learning and co-creating experience so um as uh, i i would have um uh, briefed you separately on on this is that in the past we do delegations on a lot of good expe uh, good 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 practice visits and um share some works and share some uh, joint funding models and opportunities and etc cetera, etc cetera, and talk about policy this time um i think the value i really wanted to add for the group of people who are attending is allow them to be discursive so we're putting in total counting them 16 different sessions to just bring different people from different backgrounds in the place together to discuss and to talk and and i do see our role as that strategic convener so so we'll be um noting down all the insights and um i'll probably give out a little here i think at the round tables i probably would want to share some post-its and ask people to really jot down all their ideas about what might work because quite often i think Oh, actually, this is quoting one of the previous UK ambassadors to China, um, Baba. She she used to say, "The um, I mean, UK-China relationships is like ding that three-legged Chinese um, ornament. So, so it's like the three pillars are trade, government to government, and people to people. And for us, bring the people together and allow that organic link to prosper. And I'm also just curious." To see what comes up and also and I've, I've shared with you separately on this 
Um, and I think one thing that we're doing a bit differently on this mission is that we're involving as many delegates as possible to contribute. Um, so I actually think our UK university leaders, they probably have a lot of thoughts in this place. So, so it's about that collective intellectual rigor we're adding to it. So looking forward think, to what comes up. I think you've, you've summarized there beautifully what we've missed when we haven't had those opportunities to simply get together and have a chat and see where it goes. As you say, those sparks of innovations, those ideas that as individuals, we don't even know we've got them ourselves <laughs> until we say them, until we say something and then somebody else says something else, don't they? And it sparks that idea and that, that creativity. And I think that's a really, that's a really welcome addition to what, to what you're putting together as well, because it can be a real temptation, can't there, in these situations to completely fill any itinerary with meetings here and presentations there, instead of saying, you know what, okay, there is a space on this itinerary for something, but actually we're not going to define exactly what it is at the moment because we don't quite know yet. And that, that spark of creativity and innovation often comes at those moments, doesn't it? And I think that probably is something that our students have missed in, in times when they've not been able to just get together and have a chat over a, you know, a sandwich or a, or a, or a cup of tea or, or something where they don't know where the conversation is going to go. So as you say, I think having that element of, of creativity and that spark of creativity there will be something that You're will right. be I think you used a word earlier, that safe environment, I, I think, you know, come back, come back to, to the mission. Uh, I suppose at, at a high level scale, and I'm kind of hoping we are creating that safe environment and give it a dosage of curiosity and, and see mm -hmm. what creativity will come out of it. And, you know, and I have enough trust in the people that's coming onto the mission that, you know, something great will will come out as an outcome. I, I think that executive coach element in your background <laughs> is coming to the forefront here. That and clearly you'd make a very good teacher because all you're just getting us in a room and making us do the work and I think that there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> whatsoever. Well, um, you'll be running I, a panel for me, didn't you? <laughs> I, I just thought we were in a panel for you, yes, as well. Goodness me. <laughs> no, I, I'm delighted to have that and I, I will assure you that that panel will be free-flowing and discursive in the in the extreme <laughs> um I do have a final question that I'm going to ask you but I didn't know Chris whether you've got an, another question that you'd asked uh, Lena before we let her go and have a rest in a little while from <clears throat> yeah I mean it, it's questions. it's it's maybe less of a question but just sort of a an observation I mean when you know, I said earlier on about, you know, greater connection, but less or greater access, but less connection. And I think it's it's absolutely true because, you know, the the environment that you're describing, Lena, you know, of the upcoming or by the time I guess this is this is um, live, the sort of current uh, uh, delegation event that you're planning. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking of all the online events that I've attended and, you know, some of them are quite creative and some of them are interactive and, you know, you can go into breakout chat rooms and you can do this and you can do that. I don't think I've enjoyed the practicality and the flexibility of them, but, you know, for the sheer, I don't know, creative energy, as you said, or, or just that sort of, you know, 
don't know what's going to happen because it's just an open conversation and then it might come to nothing and it might just spark something that's interesting. But, you know, in terms of digital innovation, I don't think we've got this yet. Like we, we've created the access points, right? We, we've made it easier for people to talk. But, and uh, Judith, I completely agree with you. I don't think all meetings need to be face-to-face. But, you know, when we're talking about partnerships and we're talking about setting up a new endeavor and we're talking about risk and we're talking about investment, you want to go to the place. You want to see the place. You want to see the people, you know, the third and the fourth and the fifth meeting, they're online because then you've, you've built up that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that thing. But yeah, for, for all the access we've created, uh, you know, I think there is still so much value in, in the person to person. And I mean, we've all been to events where at the end of it, you could think I really didn't need to be here. You know, that, that was a, that was a trip that really wasn't, wasn't worthwhile. And we've been to ones where they've been effectively life changing. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, very envious. I, I, I likewise, I haven't been to China since since pre-COVID, so it's it's um, um, you know it's a while for me too. So, yeah, very envious of, of the opportunity Judith has, um, and looking forward to to hearing more more about it. So, yeah, no. So again, it wasn't really a question. It was just you know a reflection on 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 what you'd been saying, and I was thinking back to digital digital innovation and thinking for all that we've achieved, and you know in terms of sustainability and cost, we've we've done a lot of good, but. Yeah, the the true the true spark, the true heart. Maybe that's that's we still need to be in person. So, yeah, yeah, and it's sort of finding out that it's it's it's, it's doing the right thing at the right time as Absolutely. well, isn't it? If you, if yeah. you can, so there are therefore some things that we can do digitally, and why not carry on doing those because that you know that means that it frees up so much other time to really you know make the most of those personal interactions that we might be yeah. having i think one of the things there that always then strikes me you know when you're doing things like we are today you know which is fantastic but then after this meeting you know lena will be going off sorting out her 5000 emails <laughs> some of which come from me about things to do with the delegation chris will be off doing his teaching and i'll be off doing whatever i'm going to be doing um, but we're, we're also, we are immersed in what we're talking about at the moment, but we're not 100% there because we know in 10 minutes time, we're going to be doing something else. Whereas when you are somewhere completely different, you're in a room, then if you're not in the room, then you're going to be outside the room talking to somebody else. You're immersed in that environment, aren't you? And you used that word before, Lena. And I think that's probably something that we therefore then just need to make sure we make the most of when we do go somewhere else it, it is that the fact that you are there you're there you know 24 7 and make the most of that make the most of that rather that environment rather than constantly dipping in and out of, of the other places in which you might be so there's a comfort to being where you are all the time and maybe you can go and get yourself a cup of tea or a glass of water but you know actually to be immersed in a situation uh, somewhere different really gives you that opportunity to dedicate some time, doesn't it? And some space for thought, for something a little bit more creative and Mm. to develop, as you said, Lena, something a little bit more discursive. I have a final question for you, Lena, and it's a question that we tend to ask all of the esteemed and the great and the good who... um, for some reason, do agree to come on our podcast, for which we are ever grateful. Indeed. Um, so, small question, but, you know, just a couple of sentences as an answer. What do you think the future is for international higher education? Over to you, Lena Shi. 
Well, at least you haven't asked me to answer in one sentence. So, let me think about how to articulate my answer. Um, I'll probably say three things um, that come to mind. And the first thing is actually we focused a lot about today's discussion on is that digitalization and will maintain a key part of it and it will drive more innovation. And a connected point that come to the second part, and um, you would know this very well because you both have just you know written written a book together. I'd probably call this a thousand iterations. So uh, I think about you know how we create content and trying to take it to other countries and to allow uh, people from different culture to then also benefit from it. And usually, Chris, you would know this very well, and, you know, people have completely different understandings. The same word means different things for them. And we need to help our knowledge and the way of delivery um, to be localized. So I suppose is also we will see many, many thousands of iterations of how international education would evolve. And, and I, I, that excites me to see how all those development and ideas will, you know, so, so will develop. And the third part, um, I think, you know, we've, we've collectively perhaps all been in international education for decades. Um, we would remember the time of international education and you know in many ways we, we all benefited from it some in some ways but I think the future is to move from the volume and the scale of it into more of a quality and diversity and I probably would focus more on the diversity so you know that there are many many ideas that's being talked about the regionalization how we are going to you know to create more hybrid models, how do we bring industry and how do we even bring TVET uh, FE into le into learning and how universities will continue to hold different hats to 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 to, to solve the issues uh, of a society with my face. So, so all of that coming together, I think it would drive all the educators um, just towards more quality product and more of a diversity of it. That's brilliant, Lena. You know, it's, I, I think we're going to just have to leave it there. All I'm going to say, though, is that sounds like a good idea for a book coming up. Quality and diversity in international higher education, colon, you know, a thousand iterations, something like that. <laughs> yes, chapter, Lena She, obviously. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for oh, joining I'd love us. To. It's fascinating. And we look forward, hopefully, to... Um, inviting you back uh, again to talk to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed the chat. Thank you.